Nathanael said to Philip, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. You may be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Dear Jordan the Baptist, dear Nate, dear Jake and Nicole and Aslan and Jake the Sharper family, dear Morgan, dear Leanne, the Lord grant you his joy and peace in believing now and forever. Amen. We are tempted to distress. We are tempted to fear and trouble. We are tempted by seeing all the things collapsing around us to forget that the Lord is our refuge and our peace and ever-present help in every time of trouble. There is a reason, dear saints, that the fathers in the church decided that if you can, you should build your sanctuary, and what a beautiful name that is, the sanctuary, that you should build your sanctuary in the shape of an upside-down boat (laughs) so that we would remember that the Lord's church is the holy ark that keeps us safe no matter what the trouble is, even if a flood, think about this, Even if a flood were were to come and wipe away the entire world, the Lord would not let you perish. He will keep you safe. He will preserve you. He will protect you. He will watch over you. He will guide you. And He will bring you at last to eternal life. All those who belong to Him are safe. We should rejoice in this, especially in troubled times. We rejoice that the Lord gathers us to his safety. Like Jesus says, remember Jerusalem? Oh, how I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers together her little baby chicks, I suppose. And I've always, whenever I would try to preach stuff like this, people would say, Pastor, you are too urban. (laughs) You don't have any idea what it looks like for a chicken to sit on its little baby chicks. Apparently, what it looks like is the you know, when the chicken hawk or whatever else is hungry for chicken is flying around, that the, the mother hen would gather, spread out her wings and puff out her wings and that she would just sit on the chicken so that if anything bad was going to happen, it had to go through her first. So Jesus has gathered you into the shadow of his wing where you're safe. We rejoice in that all the time, but especially on Sunday morning when the Lord gathers us here. We should rejoice in that safety, in this sanctuary, in this peace and protection and and joy that the Lord gives to us. That's why He gathers us together, to bless us in this way. It's what it means to be a Christian. I want to meditate on that, what it means to be a Christian, a little bit this morning, because there are are a lot of, uh, what, competing narratives about what it means to be a Christian. I was wondering, we've talked about this too, I, I just, I wonder sometimes what the world thinks it means to be a Christian. What, what our neighbors, our unbelieving neighbors and friends think that we do when we gather together in church. What the people across the street, what, what right now as they're having brunch, what, they, what they're guessing that we're doing in here. Now, I don't know, I, I'm interested in your guesses on this, and so I'd love for you to tell me, but here's my best guess. I think that they think that we came in here to talk about how bad they are. <laughs> to talk about what great sinners are outside the walls of the church, 
to talk about how bad and wicked the world is and, by comparison, how holy we are to wag our fingers at everyone out there and to puff ourselves up for being Christian. Can you imagine? Or maybe they think we're in here plotting an overthrow of the government. Who knows? <laughs> but to come in here, we come to confess. And, and, and think about this. When we say confess in the Christian church, we mean two distinct things. They're related to one another. But we come to confess our faith, and we also come to confess our sin. And we start with our sin. The very first thing that you said, we didn't have it this morning because of the baptism. The very first thing that you normally say <laughs> when you come into the liturgy is that you are a poor, miserable sinner. That you're not innocent, that you're not holy, that you're not perfect, that you're a sinner, that you've broken God's law, you've broken His commandments. You've done with your life, your actions, your deeds, your words, your thoughts, your neglect. You have broken God's commandment. And not only that, you say that you deserve not just a slap on the wrist, a time out, that you deserve his temporal and eternal punishment. Temporal and eternal. In other words, the first thing that the Christian knows, the first thing that we know about ourselves is that we are guilty. That we are condemned. That we are lawbreakers. That we are sinners. That we have fallen short of the glory of God. If you don't know that, you are not a Christian. If you don't know that you have broken God's law, you don't have that first knowledge of what it means. But that's not the only thing we know. But the Christian is not interested in you know, picking the speck out of everybody else's eye while we recognize the great log in our own. We know that the problem is us. We know that I deserve the Lord's wrath and punishment. But we know something more. We know that Jesus is gracious to sinners. We know that Jesus is the Savior of sinners. We know that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Now, we talked about what, what other unbelievers think about what happens in the church, but, but I also think it's interesting to think what most Christians think happens in church. I'm going to hazard a guess here. I think that most Christians even, who are baptized and who call on the Lord's name, most Christians think that their Christian life is about their own progression in good works, their journey to get holier and holier, their works and their efforts. In fact, it's one of the tragedies of modern Christianity that the gospel, the kindness of the Lord Jesus and his death on the cross is preached to the people who are outside the church, but then once you're inside, once you're baptized, now, now you've got to get busy. Now you've got to get after it. You meet Jesus at the door, but once you're inside, it's all Moses. <laughs> your efforts, your striving, your works. It's one of the dangers, I think, for those of you who are being confirmed today, it's one of the dangers that you think, because we've been going to class for six months now on Monday nights studying the Lord's Word, and, and it seems like maybe Christianity is a little bit about our efforts and our doing, our journey to heaven, but this is not the case. 
Christian life is not about is not about ascending to Jesus or climbing to Him or journeying to Him. Can you imagine that, that just that you're going to meet Jesus and He's in Alaska and you're here in church and you call Him on the phone and you say, "All right, we got to meet. Should I come there to meet you?" He says, "No, no, no, no." He says, "Well, do you want to meet halfway in in Washington?" Oh, no, no, no. Well, what about a third of the way? Should we meet in, in Colorado or whatever is in between here and there? No, no, I'm, I'm going to come to you and say, okay, well, look, I'll meet you in, uh, in Waco. <laughs> no, he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to you. And he says, okay. Okay, Jesus, well, I'll meet you outside. <laughs> That's closer. But then you hang up the phone and look, and he's sitting next to you already. <laughs> when he comes, this is the point. Jesus comes all the way to you. It's not you finding him. It's really quite beautiful in the gospel text. That word found, look, it comes up over. He found Philip. He says to him, follow me. It's Jesus who does the finding. Jesus is the good shepherd who leaves the 99 in the wilderness and, and goes to find the one that's lost. And he tracks, him, he tracks you down. And he puts you on his shoulder and he carries you home. Christianity is being found by Jesus. It's being known by him, sought by him, blessed by him, forgiven by him, declared holy by him who was crucified, died, buried, and risen on the third day for you. That's what it's about. It's not about us, but about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to know the most Christian thing that we do in this life, it's this. We listen to his voice. Jesus said it like this. My sheep, remember, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We listen as the Lord comes to us in the midst of our sin and trouble and says, I forgive you. We listen as he comes in the midst of tribulation and says, I'm with you. We listen as he comes to us in the darkness and says, I am the light. We, we listen as he comes to us in sickness and says, I am the good physician. We, we listen as he comes to us on our deathbed and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me will not perish, but have life everlasting. We listen to his voice, and he gives us promises, and he cannot lie. So we rejoice that Jesus found Philip, that he found Nathaniel, that he found Andrew and John and Peter and Jordan and Nate. We rejoice that he found us that he delivered us, and that he's bringing us to life eternal. Now, I, I don't know, again, what the world thinks it means to be a Christian, or even what Christians think it means to be Christian, but this is what Jesus thinks. You are baptized. You are part of his family. You are the children of God. You are loved with a love that will bring you from life through death to life eternal to stand with him in the resurrection. And we know that whatever trouble comes, 
height and depth and death and life and whatever sort of trouble comes, that He is with us. That He is ours and that we are His. May God grant us the confidence then in being the disciples of Jesus, being His sheep, and being His. And may this confidence carry us through every trouble until we see Him face to face. May God grant it for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.